0: Welcome to Motherhood Feels. Hindsight is 2020. I'm Dr. Jill Garrett, a licensed psychologist who specializes in maternal mental health and host of Motherhood Feels. Hindsight is 2020. Stay tuned for a compelling conversation with seasoned mom Elizabeth Anderson. In addition to her mom gig, listen to all the other job titles Elizabeth brings to the table. She is a licensed mental health counselor and owner of Foundations Therapy Jacks, where she specializes in adolescence and parenting. She is the past chair of the Duval County School Board and the current chair of the mental health committee for Mayor Donna Deegan in the city of Jacksonville. She serves on several local boards, including the interfaith organization One Jacks and the nonprofit organization Hive Mind. And provides consultation to Moms Rising, an organization that is helping to build a more family friendly America. And check this out. She somehow finds the time to be an avid reader and a present and engaged mom to her seven year old son. Check her out next. Hey guys, it's me, Jill. Before we start, help Motherhood Feels grow by subscribing to the podcast. Leaving five-star reviews can't hurt either. And if you're interested in supporting more moms and families by bringing Motherhood Feels to your workplace, you can connect with me at motherhoodfeels at gmail.com to learn more. You can follow me on Instagram at motherhoodfeels, all one word, and head over to motherhoodfeels.com to check out my self-paced online course, Motherhood Feels, before and even after baby Bootcamp that walks through evidence-based strategies for healthy coping with all your motherhood feels. Thanks for listening. Hi, Elizabeth. Thanks for being here. Hi, Jill. Thanks so much for having me. Let's start with you giving us a little bit of background on you. Sure. So I am a mom. I have recently turned 40, um, which
1: is exciting. I'm really excited to be in my 40s. I am an only child to a single mother. I have lived in Jacksonville my whole life. I'm a licensed mental health counselor. I've done some dabbling in some politics over the years. But right now, I am really enjoying my private practice life where I specialize in teens and parenting and focusing on my little one who's about to be seven.
0: Great. What a full life you have. And thanks for the overview. I'm really excited to talk to you. And I think when we first started, I said, I feel like I'm getting to speak with a celebrity because you have been so actively involved in Jacksonville, Jacksonville mental health, Jacksonville education. And I have seen you personally as a beacon of, um, balance for the community. So I thank you for that. Let's hear a little bit about your journey in becoming a mom to what sounds like a seven-year-old son. I always knew that I wanted to be a mom.
1: Um, I think that the timing was what it came down to for my husband and I. Um, So he was, you know, enjoying our young life um, and our fancy free life. And I remember after we got married, I said, okay. Well, you know how how long do you want to wait before we start having kids? And he's like, well you know, I just feel like adventure is going to be over when we have kids. And I said, well, you know, what do you mean? What adventure? Like, what what are we doing that's adventurous? And so I really challenged him, let's adventure. And so that um, kind of launched opportunities for us. We were very fortunate to just start traveling. So we traveled every few months for about a year and a half, got to go to some really incredible places that, you know, if something happened and we never get to travel again, where would we want to go? So our first stop was like safari in Africa. And then I think eventually I was like, okay, well, we've really been adventuring. Um, when are we going to start having babies? And then it was, well, you know, research shows that um, children that are born in the fall do better than children that are born at other times. So I really want to have a child, you know, born in September, October. And I was like, well, I don't, I don't know that it's that easy to do that. But, you know, if that's what you want, then this is kind of the time that we need to be trying um, and so finally I got him on board and we ended up having a due date of September 2nd. Um, we were really <laughs> lucky, um, to, to not really struggle with fertility. And I feel very fortunate, um, for that. I know that that can be such a struggle for so many families. And then we were, you know, I loved being pregnant. I We were pregnant and I enjoyed it. I am one of those weird people that like lost weight mm. being pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just felt like the phenomenon of having a human grow inside of me was the coolest thing. Every movement, every flutter was super, super um, exciting for me and very meaningful.
0: Wow. So eventually we were able to, you know, have our little one in September of 2016. So I feel like I need to have a separate podcast on the adventure travels (laughs) pre-baby. but it sounds like you were a person who really like you said was fortunate no real challenges in terms of conception and then you enjoyed pregnancy and all of the changes that were taking place
1: yeah you know I think that um again knowing that I wanted to be a mother um having a stable situation and looking forward to bringing a child into the world and to, to mothering them you know is just a privilege that I don't know that everyone gets to have and so I was really grateful you know to have that experience.
0: Yeah, one thing that I'm thinking back on is how you did have all these experiences with your husband prior to the baby being born and in looking back for you are you feeling like that was a great call to make? Um yes, but I'm also the person that was like Our baby's just going to go with
1: us. So what do you mean? Like adventure is not going to be over. You know, we are we are still going to be able to go. And I felt really strongly. You know, as long as we were able to have the opportunity, that I wanted to open the world to our child. Um, And so we, you know, even in his infancy, we got him a passport, Um, so we were ready to go. You know, and then life happened, and eventually COVID happened, and so we haven't really even been able to do much international travel. So certainly, looking back at those experiences and taking advantage of those times are really um, something that I really am grateful for.
0: Yeah. And I think I'm hearing you say that just because you were going to have a child, it wasn't going to stop your adventures.
1: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
0: In your pregnancy, you were enjoying pregnancy. What do you remember about your delivery? So, you know, September
1: is hurricane season and I was diagnosed with, I guess, the one that hiccup in my pregnancy, if you will, I was diagnosed with gestational diabetes in my third trimester. I was very resistant to gestational diabetes like the whole time I was like I don't have this this isn't this isn't true you know I would take my blood sugar every morning and it would be just a little bit high but I was really resentful about all the additional medical appointments and having to go to rock and you know and I remember my my midwife who was a good friend of mine said you know this is the first test of motherhood, right? That it's no, it's not about you and what you want and whether it's comfortable for you. This is about doing what you need to do to take care of your baby. So I really tried to live that, although I was very bitter and irritated every time I had to prick my finger. And towards the end, there was a hurricane that came in town. And I worked all the way until the end of August, right? So I worked like till 38 weeks probably and a hurricane came in. The offices were closed. The rock offices were closed. So I didn't go in for my monitoring. I had convinced my, my OB that the rock doctor said that I didn't need to be induced on my due date, that we could go through Labor Day weekend because the offices, you know, were closed. And uh, so they said they didn't think there was a problem and it's okay. So I went and I was going to do all of the things to, I really wanted to have a natural birth. So I, we went hiking. We did all of the things. We were walking. We were trying to get this baby out. It was mission, get baby out. Um, and my friend, who is the midwife, calls and she says, hey, how did your rock appointment go? I said, oh, well, the offices were closed, so we didn't go in. And she's like, oh, well, you need to be monitored. This is a Saturday. You need to be monitored. You need to go to the hospital now and sit on and, and monitor. And I was so irritated <laughs> that I was gonna have to go into the hospital and do this on my day where we were going to be trying to get the baby out and when I went in they said oh your blood, their blood pressure is a little high and I knew I turned to my husband and I said we're not leaving here mm. um and they said well, why don't you just go sit in the room and we'll see if it comes down so 20 minutes later of course it hadn't come down because I'm just more and more anxious and irritated so I said well we're gonna have to admit you. Um, I'm having probably like a full tantrum because I really just wanted to have a natural birth. And so to be honest, I think my blood pressure had gotten so high at that point because I was so mad and so sad um, that I felt like the birth experience that I dreamed of was slipping through my fingers that I'm signing the admission paperwork for the hospital. Now, mind you, there's a hurricane, right? So it's storming. The hurricane had started to come in. It's storming. Um, my husband goes to get our bags. And my water broke Mm. Uh, as I'm signing the intake paperwork, which I'm convinced was just because this baby inside me was like, what is happening? I need to get out of here. We did not find out the gender. So we didn't know boy or girl. And I said, well, you don't have to induce. My water is broken. You know, give me space. Let me labor. So we labored. Um, I'm a Gator. We're we're UF graduates. So we watched the Gator game in the hospital. It's the first game of the season. And labor just started to progress slowly, but it did not go very fast. So I labored all the way through the night, hypnobirthing. So I was, my husband will say, you were like in a trance. And I had him like, just read me affirmations. Please just read me affirmations. But it it stalled pretty good. So by the morning, the morning time comes around. I'm in labor like 12 hours at this point. Um, I'm doing everything I can to not experience the pain. The pain was so, I was getting a lot of back pain. Um, we weren't breech or anything, but I was having a lot of lower back pain and getting sick. It was making me nauseous. The pain was making me sick. So, but you can't eat, you can't drink, you can't do anything. So I'm I'm tired because I haven't slept. I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, and um, I'm still laboring. I labored 24 hours before they said, you know, we really need to push Pitocin. You know, it's stalled, we you're not progressing. Um, and so I said, "Okay, we'll push pitocin. And if we're gonna do that, I don't, I don't have the energy to keep birthing without an epidural. So we went ahead and did the epidural and the pitocin. I really wanted to still feel contractions, so I didn't ever really." push for the numbness because I wanted to keep it moving. Long story, a little shorter here, 36 and a half hours into laboring, our son arrives early in the morning and it was a great experience. I mean, we were able to have a vaginal birth and, and it was magical to finally end up seeing him. And even though the birthing process wasn't exactly what I had hoped for, you know, they always say as soon as you, you know, that baby comes in your arms and it doesn't matter.
0: So mission, get baby out, succeeded. I mean, babies come out. (laughs) Different than what you had expected. So there are a few things in that story that I have to touch on. Let's go back to hypnobirthing. Tell me about that. So I had a good friend of mine who was a doula, she did not
1: doula for me, but she was really passionate, if you will, about hypnobirthing. And she's like, you know, just read the book. I think like a lot of mothers, I was doing a lot of reading during my pregnancy. And I think as a therapist and somebody who just buys into mindfulness and the positivity that it can have on, you know, your physiological states. It just really resonated for me. I knew that it was something that I could just sort of breathe through. Nobody guided me through hypnobirthing. I read the book, I listened to the music, um, you know, the CD, and I knew the affirmations. um, And I had some experience doing some meditation, you know, for myself.
0: That sounds like an interesting strategy. And for you, what was working when you were doing that? Was it pain reducing, anxiety reducing, a combination of the two? Yeah,
1: I think all of the above. I really, um, I didn't even have like a sense or awareness of time. You know, when they said, oh, this has been 24 hours, I was shocked. Um, and, and after the baby, one of the nurses came in and they're like, oh, you know, you did it. And I was like, who are you? I didn't even really remember, you know, who was coming in and out of the room. I was really just sort of focused on my breath, you know, and moment to moment getting through each minute.
0: Yeah. And then you hadn't selected to see or learn of the gender. And right. what was it like when you met your son?
1: you know, I had said from the very beginning, I felt like I was having a boy. So all of the wives tales all led to boy.
0: Mm. Um,
1: and so I just felt, you know, the way I was carrying the way all of that stuff. And so I felt really confident that I knew that I was having a boy. So it wasn't a surprise to me that, he, that we had a boy. Um, we hadn't had a name picked out. We had two boy names um, and I was like, well, we just kind of need to figure out like who he is before we decide or who the who the child is before we decide and um we ended up you know picking a name that sounded a little more rascally since he took 36 and a half hours to join us
0: and so tell me what you recall about the early postpartum days you've had the baby now you're getting back home uh tell me a bit about that
1: no one can adequately prepare you for that emotional journey it doesn't no words do it justice The roller coaster of emotions, right? The tearfulness, the um, the love, you know, the fear. All of it is a lot. So I think um, trying to make sure that you are doing everything you need to do and take care of this whole human that is now in your charge to keep alive and raise I mean the pressure and the responsibility of that was a lot I was really committed to breastfeeding um so trying to figure out all of the latching issues and you know my back and my neck were hurting so bad because I'm like so tense trying to hold this tiny little eight-pound baby up to my breasts that were huge <laughs> no it's like am I suffocating him I can't get comfortable you know I think it's different for everyone but it was a solid month for me where I just everything was a blur still and surviving.
0: You said you read books and and you were kind of exploring a lot of different probably mom topics. What do you feel like you would have liked to have known or done differently in your motherhood experience?
1: In those early days, I think giving yourself some grace, you know, really just knowing that it is okay to be a mess, right? It is okay to be breastfeeding and crying at the same time and then laughing the next second. Like it's all just a crazy mess and they are not as breakable as they feel, right? That They are okay and you are okay and you will figure it out together. You know, the the mother-infant relationship is so beautiful and resilient and a mistake in a moment isn't, going to change the course of the baby's life forever, right? So I think just giving yourself some grace is really important. And then I really relied on the Wonder Weeks book to kind of look at those developmental milestones because even through the whole first year for me, every time I felt like, okay, I got it. All right, I I got this figured out. The routines, oh my gosh, trying to like stick to routines was so stressful um, because I felt like every time I knew what the routine was, it changed. And then you had to adapt all over again. And then that created a whole nother layer of stress. Um, and in the first, what, like six months, four months, there's so much rapid change that you just don't ever feel like you're getting a grip on how to do it right. It always feels like you're messing something up. And so um, kind of reading through the Wonder Weeks book and knowing like, Okay, this is this is normal. The baby's gonna be fussy, or oh, maybe we're changing a sleep schedule or sleep pattern now. And maybe that's why we used to sleep, but now we don't sleep. That was helpful to me. I'm a very in-the-head intellectual person and I like to keep it routine and organization, helps me feel sane. And so when you have a small baby, it doesn't always work that way. As much as and it's so hard because they you also know they need it. They need consistency, they need routine. And yet it's constantly changing. Yeah. So it's really hard.
0: So you have been a real powerful force in all that you've done professionally. Like I said in the intro, you're now chairing Donna Deegan's mental health subcommittee. Tell us a little bit about your professional journey. Sure. So I was right after college, I became a
1: high school teacher. And then I got my master's in mental health counseling, my master of science in mental health while I was teaching. And so, um, you know, I made the transition from teaching to counseling. You know, my favorite part of teaching was mentoring. I was one of those teachers that had like a full classroom during lunch. And so I really was able to build relationships and connections with my students that clearly translated into their academic performance. And I think, you know, now, and I won't go too far off on a tangent, but now this idea that teachers are only there to teach basics and shouldn't be building these relationships with students is just kind of bizarre to me. That is, our children learn better when they know that they are cared for and recognized and respected uh, by the person who's trying to teach them. And, you know, they have that relationship. So, Um, I wasn't sure what I would do as a therapist. And I always say the kids keep finding me. So I went into the nonprofit world and did in-home, in-school counseling after I finished my master's program. And I worked a lot with the first year I worked in um, a program for emotionally and behaviorally disabled children in the schools. It was very eye-opening. The district decided to take that work in-house eventually. And so I ended up going over to the full-service schools program where I did in-home, in-school counseling. But I primarily worked on the north and west sides. And to watch the, in Jacksonville, those are more underserved and and, um, more minority communities. So to see the challenges that children faced outside of the school building, outside of the classroom come with them into the classroom and lead to all kinds of issues um, in the school, problems with discipline, problems with attendance, problems with testing. You know, when when I knew that that was a family that was struggling with housing security, you know, they weren't getting properly fed. They didn't have their supplies. They were sharing a bed at night. It made me a really passionate advocate for education because I knew that this was impacting children and ultimately adults' mental well-being and their functioning. In our society, in our community, you know, our neighbors were suffering. And I felt like there was something that our education system could do to help. After Marjorie Stoneman Douglas and, and the conversation around school violence, particularly school shooting, turned so much to this idea of children having mental health problems, being, you know, dangerous in our schools, That was another area for me where I was like, wait, we need to be really careful about this conversation. We were working so hard to destigmatize getting mental health treatment. And now if we say, well, I'm struggling with some depression or anxiety or, you know, behavioral issues, now we think that this person is going to harm someone, you know, that can be really, really dangerous and impactful in a child's life to stereotype them in that way. And so I really wanted to be able to bring um, more conversation around preventative and early intervention work for young children. And that led me to run for school board. Apparently it resonated with a lot of people that I was talking to. I was as surprised as anyone to be elected to the school board in 2018 here in Duval County, and really wanted to keep that at the forefront of my work on the board. 2018... Um, became a strange time for our public education system. Certainly we were in COVID by 2020 and I was the chair of the school board during COVID and lots of other issues just started to get in the way of really being able to do the work that I really went to do. Um, So now having left the school board in 2022, I'm excited to come back around. I continue to be an education advocate, a public education advocate in particular, But I'm I'm focused, again, on how do we help meet the needs of children, the whole child, so that they can be successful academically and in life.
0: I'm thinking about all of those things that you just walked through. And you were a parent at the same time. And tell me how you navigated these long school board meetings. Uh, that had a fair amount of tension and stress associated with them. How did you take care of yourself and your family in the midst of all of that? It was hard. I mean,
1: I think COVID was hard for everyone. Luckily, I will say, um, you know, as a therapist, I am a professional compartmentalizer, right? (laughs) It is my job to focus um, on one thing at a time to understand what is within my control and what is not but certainly i understood and still understand that we're talking about real human lives we're talking about real people and you know i would say often on the board we, these aren't data points these children aren't dollar signs these are real people with a real experience and so you know whatever to me healthy or not um at the end of the day i knew that I had to do this work. Like this, this was important work. This, this impacted my whole community. Um, and so my husband and I, you know, worked our best to try to find a good routine for our child. I mean, childcare and early childcare is so critically important. Um, that's a whole other issue that is so difficult for so many people to access. And I feel strongly about the need for, for childcare and maternal leave and all of those things, paternity would be great too. And so I'm the kind of person where it's like, whatever it is that you have to do, you figure it out. You know, you you do what you have to do to make it work. Um, it was exhausting. I started reading a lot of fiction um, because it was the only thing that would help me kind of close my mind, turn my mind off. Um, I think that COVID year, I read 52 books between fiction books and professional books and audiobooks, of course, but finding a way to tune out and care for yourself is not easy. And it's something that I continue to try to work on.
0: Well, it, it sounds like whatever you did, the compartmentalizing, <laughs> the giving yourself a healthy distraction, it really worked because you were a fabulous leader during a really hard time. So I thank you for all that you've done. Let me ask you if you have any hindsight moments on the motherhood journey that you feel like you haven't had a chance to touch on?
1: You know, I was just thinking the other day about bonding with your baby. And I think that I can vividly remember laying down um, and just watching my son interact with, you know, sort of the shadows on the wall, you know, to look around, to be staring at the fan and just giving us Quiet space to be without having to do anything, to just be and watch him. And this moment of feeling so deeply connected and in love with this little human. I think it's really important for people to give themselves time to do that. You know, when you can find the moments to just observe, do it. Because this is a whole extra being. They, as much as it feels like they're an extension of us, right? They are their whole self. And getting to know them and falling in love with whoever they are is um, such a cool thing. And still to this day, you know, now, now that he's about to be seven, sometimes I just sit and I watch him, and I'm like, "You're so cool. Like you're so interesting. And you know, your little thought process is so so neat. And so I I, I think we don't talk enough about making space for bonding. Um, And I would imagine that, you know, as I look back over time, kind of in the same way that I remember having to change routines and agendas. And as soon as you feel like you got it and you've got a strong relationship, then you have to change again. You know, I I would imagine I'm going to say the same thing as I look back when he's 18 at at the, the moments that I allowed myself to step back, watch him come into himself and bond again, you know, to who he's changing into.
0: That's a great sentiment. And for my last question, what was or is your travel plan uh, for your 40th?
1: You know, this has been, I just turned 40 in June and my closest friends, we've all had a lot going on. There's been deaths, there's been medical diagnosis, there's been so much going on. And so we had, we had hoped to go to Greece. Um, And those plans got set aside. Um, So, you know, eventually, I'd like to get back around to a lovely breeze trip. But I don't I don't have that on the books yet. You know, I did just book a yoga retreat um, with my best friend who's been going through some medical stuff. And I'm really
0: looking forward to maybe slowing down and just connecting, you know, internally with myself those sound great. And I thank you for connecting with me and taking time to walk through your motherhood experience and your career and all the interesting aspects of your life. So thanks for taking time and being here. Of course. Thank you so much. Thanks for doing this work for moms.